Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Laughter filled Glasgow's Royal Concert Hall as Donald Finlay held the Rangers AGM in the palm of his hand. It wasn't a meeting without criticism around the management of Athens or that last week in August, but it only really amounted to why didn't McCoyster Durant start in Greece? With no prepared, concerted block of pressure, these meetings gave room for the more obscure and eccentric questions amongst the standing items such as away ticket allocation and how Rangers fans were treated when they travelled. One shareholder in particular questioned the money that the club had received for Trevor Stephen from Marseille in 1991, with reports in the Rangers news and the daily record being around £500,000 apart, the inference being that Rangers were fraudulently hiding that money. He had spent his own money to get an investigator to look into it. David Murray invited him to come to Ibrox to look over the documents of that transfer and then Finlay quipped to great acclaim and laughter that there were no biscuit tins at Ibrox, a clear reference to the frugal and slightly shady popular reputation of the previous Celtic board. Therefore, before any critical analysis of the club's planning could get underway, the support was brought on side by a humorous and clear comparison with their great but catastrophic rival. It could always be worse. A complacency then at Rangers. Look at Celtic and also look at Brian. We've got a bit to talk about tonight. Maybe a happier show than it has been in the past couple of weeks. This is Dominic. I'm Martin Ramsey. I'm joined this week to look at the autumn of 1994-95 with David Edgar. How are we, David? I'm good, thank you. Nice to be back on. And Alan Bradley. How are we, Alan? Yes, I'm good as well, Martin. Disappointed that Dave and I didn't have a go at last week's show and Mm. those three games, but... It's just one of these things. We'll just need to move on, yeah. It's we usually just... get those weeks, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain. We did get the Scottish Cup final of the previous year, so I think we've done our share of, yeah, uh, shit for a while. It's, it's how it falls. Um, how it falls. As we found, as not uncommon with Rangers history shows, um, it's sometimes those, um, those darker days that 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 generate the bigger conversation. This is, um. 
Well, it's, it's, a, it's a show about ins and outs. It's a show about uncertainty about players, old heroes, new heroes. Um, we'll look a wee bit about Celtic's recovering, just how exactly they were managing that. But mainly, it will be about one man in particular. And, and amongst this continued inconsistency in results, Rangers would struggle, in fact, would fail in this particular segment of, of the season we're looking at today to put three wins together on the roll. And the, the general memory, I think, of, of this period is it's still pretty grim, it's still pretty complacent, it's still pretty flat. But that's not true because of one man who we'll get to. Um, talk about some of those outs then. I mean, David Murray at that AGM was forced to talk about the debt, which was now £8 million, pounds, um, I guess a result of two consecutive seasons of failure in Europe. He was relaxed, said, you know, the overdrive facility we have is 14 million it has been near there before so it's 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 you know obviously a lot lower than, than it used to be we don't have a cash crisis in fact by that point this is mid-november uh rangers had yet another player in alan mclaren for for 1.6 million pounds plus dave mcpherson um the player that smith really should have got maybe 18 months before um but in order to do that he had to attempt at least the big rangers autumn sale no sofas um involved in this one david can we talk about the first out, um, which was Gary Stevens? He had a loan period of a month at Tranmere, which then became permanent for three hundred and fifty grand. And another piece of that, that original Sooners dream, if you like, in those first few years disappears. His last two years at Rangers were frustrating, very disappointing. We we saw a ghost of a player, a shadow of a player that once was. And that shouldn't take away from those first four where he was exceptional, uh, where he was a key part, he was a very consistent part, he didn't miss much, which is the big irony really with, with those injuries that came later. Um, and maybe a reminder of when Rangers would have some of the best players, or the best player in Britain in some positions in our team. And that's probably no longer the case now. It's harking back to something more positive and outward looking. Yeah, and it was a, a shame for people of my age. I was, you know, going through the the change really from being a little boy into being a, a, a sort of teenager and an adult. And he represented that other era, the one that had just passed. And and because personally, you know, you feel the change much more than you do as your, uh, you know, your twenties and your thirties, for example, isn't anywhere near as big. Um, there was a, a real sadness in him going. I mean, let's be frank, Gary Stevens remotely fit and close to what he had been is not leaving Rangers for Tranmere Rovers, mm-hmm. right? That in itself is indicative of what the Gary Stevens of 1994 was. Um, the injuries had, had absolutely decimated him and he doesn't really go on and play much longer, actually. His career comes to an end. Oh. And in fact... He'd, he'd spent so long in treatment rooms, he'd got really interested in physiotherapy and he actually became one in his post-football career. Mm. He's a fully qualified and trained and he runs his own physiotherapy business in Australia. So, uh, yeah, I, I, he was no longer the Gary Stevens of, of old, but the Gary Stevens, as you say, of 1988 to 1992 was a genuinely world-class defender. Um, and he was a quiet revolutionary in his own way up here because he he did get forward a lot more. He he 
could defend. He was, you're still, you know, your good old fashioned. Um, oh, the fitness right David back. could allow him to get forward, but also get back quick, smart. Mm-hmm. So he could. Yes. We're used to that now, right? Where we're used to. Yeah. Now you expect it. Of engine, but he was the fit. He would be the bleep test winner in in Il Choco by by miles. Um, he was extremely fit, uh, and, and I think that a quiet revolution really is is such a nice way to put it because he wasn't the kind of loudest kind of dominating figure in the, the dressing room or in the park, but he just got on with his business in a very modern way. You never had to worry about that position. Um, Gary Stevens was there. You knew what you were getting from him. Uh, can't remember many howlers off the top of my head, bar, of course, the, the cup, cup final. final. Yeah. But even at that, that's a mistake. It's not a terrible performance. Um, and he and we missed him. You know, we missed him in those those seasons after he got injured. Uh, and it really, you know, for, it became a sort of problem position for Rangers and really for the rest of Walter's tenure. It was it, we were constantly having people filling in there, um, rather than having anybody who made that berth their own, and uh, you know that that became a bit of a, a long running sore really, uh, that we never quite got somebody of his well we never got anyone of his capability. But you know we've mentioned this before. This was a guy who'd left Everton, the you know won a European trophy, uh, English League champions, England. Uh, World Cup fullback, and he he came up to Scotland, and he did. He was he was miles ahead of what any other Scottish club had at fullback at that time, because his game had so much more to it. Um, you know, we you look back on these on any old period of football, and football has moved on and developed so much further. Gary Stevens was one that you think, no, actually, you were a little bit ahead of your time. You know, you you were playing in a way that we would see develop more. Mm-hmm. Than than your contemporaries were, yeah. and yeah, I, I I I just it the fact it might be surprising because younger young listeners who are only hearing us talk and don't remember the player, they're going to see a guy going to lower division, trying near yeah. Rovers, and go, was he really that good? He he was. He was just done. You know how you all talk about Sasa? He's I would he's normally say seven out of ten seven or whatever. Is now Gary Stevens was an eight slash nine out of ten. He also, as you say, was getting up and down the park as well. I think we missed him a lot as well. Okay, going forward, smashing. But defensively, because of his sort of pace and how he anticipated things and so on, and at times we had a number of combinations either in the centre of the park and it wasn't quite going, even if it was maybe the golf Roberts or the kind of golf ball or whatever it would be. But I felt that with Gary Stevens, you had that. You had kind of both sides of it. I also think as well, you had a good one too, David. We ended up doing uh, Big Moore at kind of right back come centre-half, which obviously turned out to be a better centre-half. You've got Richard Goff, who was he kind of really a right back? Was he a, you know, that's the thing. But with Gary Stevens, you had a true, as you say, at that point in time, one of the best full-backs in Europe. And he was, he was so far ahead of his time with us. So, yeah, I'd, I'd seen him, obviously, before he came to Rangers, uh, what he did with us, and as you say, David, you could probably count in one hand mistakes, not even so much games where he had shockers, you know. Yeah, it was rare, and, and to pick up actually on a point from last week about the central defensive partnership, I think Walter did sort of, and soon as before him, did recognise that the centre-halves, and maybe it was just the era, because you wanted your centre-halves, we all know what Scottish centre-halves were like then, or British centre-halves, they were mm-hmm. big, and they headed the ball, and they could 
if they could play a pass at all, it was a 60-yarder. You know, they were good at that. Uh, and we all, we all have visions of what a centre-back is. But Rangers had always had a covering, pacey fullback. At first it was Gary Stevens and then it was David Robertson, who the amount of times both of them would sweep in when our centre-backs weren't anywhere. David, um, we, we even had Sandy Jardin. You know, my time as well, that, Sandy, yeah. who was the, probably one of the first, wasn't he, to play that type of role as well, yeah. It's maybe just, as I say, it's a thing that strikes me when I go back and I watch old football, is that the centre-halves, and I know, Martin, you've spoken a lot about this, it was almost like the centre-backs were sort of like, well, if we're in the vicinity of the area, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll tackle and we'll block. But our job mainly is set pieces. You know, if a cross yeah. comes in, we'll head it away. Um, and the amount, when I watch games from the 80s and 90s, where there's an attack that's broken up because David Robertson gets across or Gary Stevens before him yeah. gets across and, and gets the clearance in, um, uh, maybe I, I I only really watch Rangers from this era. I should go back and maybe watch other clubs and see if that was more of the case, um, if it was the centre-halves. But, yeah, we 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 missed them for a long time. You mentioned there Craig Moore was out there. Uh, Dave McPherson, McPherson as well. yeah. was out there for a long time. And then oh, it would be yeah. Alex Cleland, who was... Alex Cleland, Murray. Murray. Yeah, the, Alex the Cleland would come in, episode, who, was, yeah. who, who was never really anybody's idea of a permanent... You never thought of him as a... A first, mm-hmm. He played a lot, but you never thought of him as a first team regular. And it's really up until Perini that yeah. we don't have a first choice right back. And Bjorkland, uh, I guess, was the first centre half with with pace that recovery pace that you're, you're you're talking about. But that's still a few a couple of years away. Um, Stephen Presley demanded first team football. I always think of that old story of Alex Ferguson demanding. Um, to know from Scott Simon why he was in the reserves and been told because there's no third team. Um, <laughs> we, we have a bit of an issue with youth. Next week, uh, John and Andy and I will, will, will discuss two kind of revelations, really, from from a, a, a youth perspective, Charlie Miller and, and, and Craig Moore next, next week, because they really do start to come into themselves. In fact, we'll, we'll talk a wee bit about mm-hmm. um, yeah. um, both uh, in this show as well, but I want to focus more on that next week. But... You know, McSwiggan was sold, I think, with the start of last season because it was McSwiggan, McSwiggan Presley and Murray that they'd come through in that 92-93 season as potential, you know, um, forward planning. Uh, Murray's still hanging about um, at the moment, um, but Presley's had, he's probably had too many. Um, oh, he's been tarred with too many bad performances, I think, uh, by this point. He gets... Like it's a hell of a lot more than Gary Stevens did, almost double um, uh, over 600 grand to Coventry City, Premier League Coventry City um, at, at that point. Um, but it was more when Smith himself drove two players down to Goodison Park that fans maybe sat up and took a wee bit of notice about what was happening in the revolving door at Ibrox. Um, this is early October. The original deal with Everton was for three Rangers players. Um, Trevor Steenvitton and Ian Durant were going to go for £3 million um, and Duncan Ferguson was going to go down for a three-month loan period to get his head sorted, get a bit of football back in his legs um, until we knew really what was was happening because there was still a lot of uncertainty. Um, it should be said, by the way, um, that um, Ferguson's appeal Remember, he, he was banned for 12 games. Rangers appealed that. The appeal was 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 kind of upheld that the SFA could not ban anybody whilst there was still this this um, legal case ongoing. Rangers were 
correct in their original argument. Um, probably helped by the fact that it was um, the Liberal Democrat MP, uh, Mingus Campbell Cusey, who sat on that, that appeal. Um, he was brought in for some independence. Um, thank goodness for that. So Ferguson could play, but he wasn't playing for Rangers really um, at, at this point. So he was, he was the ideal opportunity. Everton who were struggling, they were bottom or second bottom of the Premier Division at that point um, with Mike Walker in charge, David. Um, mm. uh, cold feet immediately about Trevor Stephen. Old boy or not, Trevor had not started a game yet. He's coming back from a calf in, uh, operation. He would actually come into to, um, a bit of former Rangers later on, but, but at that point, no. Ian Durant, they, they took cold feet on as well, but offered him a month's loan just to to see what he could do. Now, Durant's obviously these injury issues, but he would say, you know, I've played lots of football here, but that shouldn't be an issue. Um, but I think it was more to prove himself to Mike Walker, who didn't even know where he played. And Durant was saying, or he wrote in his book, you know, here I was just two years after all that glory in the Champions League. And, you know, loving cats for Scotland, this guy doesn't know me from Adam. Um, let's just talk about the, the Durant thing first. Um, because this, this was mooted that he was going. This was a kind of formality. Rangers were trying to sell him. Now, he talks about jumping at the chance because he was, in his book, he says he's playing with the stiffs, he's playing with the reserves. And, you know, no one wants to play there. I just, I just you know, jumped to that opportunity. But that doesn't really make any sense. Durant has started six out of 11 games um, at this point. He played four out of the last six in addition to one substitute appearance. So I don't really believe that. I'm not entirely sure why. It may have been personal reasons or whatever else. But at this minute in time, Alan, it looks as if Ian Durant is, is, is eventually going to go permanently to Everton. Um, Mark um, Dingwall and, and Follow Fawcett, the important goals always, always saw him make straight for the terraces. He is our hero and we are his people. Um how worried were you? How, how did you feel about that? Because you Durant is one of us and has been involved in so many of these big moments throughout the course of the show. Um, I remember thinking that that's, well, not at that stage. We were with Gary Stevens. You know, Gary Stevens was done. But this this is, what's, what's going on? No, it didn't seem right at all. As you say, obviously we knew him from the start and the terrible injury, but he came back and as he had shown as well in top games, big games, European and so on, he had actually played a really good part and still showed quality. So at the time, I remember thinking, because it came kind of after the Walter talking to Andy Gorham about you need to get yourself sorted and some of the stuff behind the scenes about you know how the guys were behaving, you just had a wee bit as if maybe there's something where Walter's maybe lost a wee bit with something that's going on behind the scenes. I don't know, but from a footballing point of view, just like just like you, Martin, I really couldn't get my head around it. And I wasn't at that point in time thinking I was struggling for money or you know suddenly it's a the kind of fire sale and people have to go. So definitely seemed a strange one. David, memories of that. I mean, it wouldn't come to anything. Mike Walker didn't fancy him, and then told him in a disco because uh, Durant actually went obviously look what's going on. He said, "No, well." Or not um, keeping you, son. I think there was a, a younger player who didn't really come to anything in, in the team. Um, he didn't want to stand in his way. Um, mixed feelings for Durant. He was obviously outraged about how that was handled, but secretly I think he, he obviously wanted to come, come back to Rangers. But this period where it looked like Durant was going away, I just, I just think we were ready to say goodbye at that point. 
No, we weren't, and I was really unhappy for a number of reasons um, about it. Firstly, it was Ian Durant, <laughs> right? So there you go. Do, yeah. do I need to say much more? Um, no. I, did, I didn't want Ian Durant to go. I never wanted Ian Durant to go, but um, particularly at this point, as you said, Martin, he had been playing and he had been contributing. Um, the other thing that, that I know I didn't want to see Ferguson go, I wasn't ready to give up on that yet. Um, but again, I'm looking at it purely as a, a football thing. I'm not taking into account Duncan Ferguson, the human being, that it might be better for him. Yeah. And at so, this moment for Ferguson, Davy, he isn't going. He is really just there to, to, to get a bit of football. To get that, yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah, so, um, but the, the thing that really annoyed me about this, as you say, about players are going and we're looking to move players on is why has this not been done in the summer? Why have we gone through, and this was going to mm-hmm. become more of a theme over the next few seasons. Yeah. Um, why did we have to get knocked out of Europe and then do stuff? And it, it became very much a Murray, a, a way of defending himself um, that he would do for the next few years. Whenever there was criticism, he bought a player because, look, shiny thing. Um, and you just need to go back to that. Still do it. Yeah, absolutely. After Kaunas, but or at the start to 2000, 2001, people forget Flo and um, Deborah arrived in November. Yeah. So, um, you know, Michael Ball, remember 2001? Michael Ball and yeah. Shotar Valadze appear in, you know, in, in September. Um, and yes, there were no windows, but even so, it's like this is not joined up thinking. This is not joined up business that we're doing. Alan McLaren was the most obvious signing yeah. ever. Every Rangers fan was basically just waiting for us to go and get him. So, again, why did it take so long? Um, the Durant thing annoyed me a great deal. And, and this is maybe something to focus on is, as you've mentioned a few times, Martin, it's hard when we're discussing Walter Smith, given what we all think of Walter Smith, um, as we sit here now. But you've got to put on, or, or try to, to put on the eyes that you had back then. I was pissed. This is after the week from, mm. you know, the week from hell. This is after mm-hmm. going out for the second year in a row. And remember, at this point, Champions League football's on the telly. It's on ITV, and we're not in it again. And it's just rubbing it. And I'm there's a bit of me that's saying, and I will hold my hands up to this before any listener says, "Oh, you know, you were spoiled and blah blah blah." Walter had won all this. I was thinking he's not in a position to do that. He doesn't have the credit in the bank, as ludicrous as that might sound when you look at the achievements. I was I was annoyed and. On top of the Gorham thing, which I know turns out to be a masterstroke, right? But at the time, I just had this sense of of what is going on here. We don't seem to be knowing where we're going from month to month. Now, this, I think, is very interesting because this is the first I begin to feel this. And then for the rest of Murray's reign, which has another, what, um, 18 years to go at this point. But the first bit of it, he had been proactive. He had been on the front foot. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm going to do. Occasionally, a Gordon Jury, for example, you need a bit extra. That's fine. You go and get it. But now it all felt like we were always chasing our tail. I kind of felt that from now on, it was almost like we'd we'd lost half an hour in the morning and we spent the rest of the day looking for it. That was the, the situation, and I did not get the Durant thing at all. Now, sorry, just before I pass it over to you, Alan, Mike Walker, you mentioned there, Martin, <laughs> um, was a dreadful manager, a really, really bad... Right. He, he, 
got the Everton job on the back of a good run at Norwich City, yeah. and he is still to this day, um, by Everton fans, he's the the go to for a terrible football manager. Um, and I think the imperfect. I mean, firstly, not knowing who Ian Durant was is a fucking disgrace. Secondly, the way he handled him going back yeah. up the road. Now it turns out to be an absolutely wonderful stroke of luck for us. But again. It's a stroke of luck. This is not good management. This is not good chairmanship. These are mistakes that luckily don't get punished because of fate. I agree. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I agree completely with that point about chasing the tail and that, that you know, chasing that, that half hour back that you mentioned. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. It is the case here. It's the case last season. It will be the case in future years within this era and, I guess, Smith's second era and, and, and everything in between. Martin um, C. Sorry, yeah, in a, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously start the next season, where we mm-hmm. do summer business and we do it well, and we we get a jolt at the end of that season. We know what's going to come, and things are different. And lo and behold, the following season, which we'll get to, of course, is consistent. It's balanced. I think it's probably, and this might be heresy, I think it's Walter Smith's best team. Um. People are fit. You know, big players play lots of games. Um, but, I, but the summer's good. You know, we're, we're, we're proactive on that score, David. And I think you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, anything else on that? Sorry, um, Alan, Durant. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, well, not just the Durant, but the, the kind of wider point, And I think we touched on it, I don't know, a few weeks ago. But that whole looking at the... Nowadays, not that it's actually working, but nowadays this whole, you've got transfer windows, you've got a director mm. of football, you've got a, a strategy and you should be looking at, you know, how things go. I, I just had the feeling it's becoming more and more apparent now. Fortunately, you'll mention who we'll have coming in and how Rangers play, but the whole thing just didn't seem... I, I thought when Soonis first came in there, obviously, he got this kind of money to bring and there was stuff going on with England, so for a couple of years we were doing well, but it just all seems kind of piecemeal and knee-jerk, and I think because we weren't for, uh, forced into these kind of transfer windows, that actually worked against us, because as you said, oh, things are not going too well. And I do think that the David Murray thing at the time, I didn't see it. Uh, and I'm loath to criticise Walter too, but I just think that, again, in Europe and probably some of the other clubs, they would be doing this. They would be sitting down. And the whole fitness thing as well, Martin, we were getting away when Celtic were off because we were out partying and it's okay. But I just think everything all seems to be just kind of a falling down. You know, and we'll see this over the next, even the whole structure of the team and so on. I've said, until Advocate came, during this point, you didn't really have a set, this is a set shape, this is how Rangers do it. Look at the camera moving as I watch a game and I know where each of the players are going to be. It was just all about 11 guys and here's a couple of kind of superstars and I, I don't know, it just seemed just too, too kind of bitty, you know, and yeah, and I think... 
Yeah, absolutely at this moment. Too. Yeah. Pity's the word. Pity is yeah. the word. Everything seems to be on the hoof. You know, I'll, I'll come back to that, that exact point in, 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 in a minute, actually, because I think it, it, there's, there's, there's a stat that, that I think perfectly encapsulates that for this season. Um, well, if the loan that was supposed to be permanent and didn't work out, uh, the loan deal that, that wasn't did, and that, that was, of course, Duncan Ferguson, um, Durant writes that he saw Ferguson just come alive at Goodison Park, um, despite at the press conference turning up in a red blazer, um, he he was taken to the hearts of the Everton faithful pretty quickly. I think it was a game against Arsenal where he dominated Tony Adams, and that was that. I mean, it's pretty much love at first sight. Um, and listen, we eventually got an offer, a small profit on what we paid, um, and... Yeah, the the best move for all parties, I think. Uh, it just for reasons that we've we've gone into in previous weeks, just was never really likely to to, to work out. Durant returned, and his reception when he came on as a, a first half substitute at Ibrox against Partick Thistle on the fifth of November was about as warm as his comeback game all those years ago. The fans were were glad to have him back. A wee shock. Um, it does wonders for relationships. Um, but even by then, he knew that a new Rangers legend had been long established, um, or firmly established, should I say. Uh, David, we know that this is a, a notoriously hmm. tough crowd to please, the Rangers support. We, uh, I think, tend to, to create monuments to our players or heroes out of plywood instead of carving them into stone just so that we can set fire to them upon witnessing one poor performance <laughs> yeah. or hearing a, an opinion post-career that um, we, we don't quite like. Um, but the case of Loudrop, the, the, the slow start that was obviously affected by the week from hell and results was then matched by just the rapid pace at which the fans took to him in the autumn. And even the most cantankerous and cynical of supporters, the Governor Gubb, for one, was quickly besotted. He writes, From everything I have heard and read, perhaps the four greatest Rangers players this century up till now have been Davy Miko John, Alan Morton, Willie Woodburn, and Jim Baxter. While I've loved listening to stories of these legends, there's always been a touch of sadness or perhaps envy is the word I'm looking for in my part, and that I have always wondered when I would get to see a truly great player. My longing is over. Just as 30 years ago, my old man would have been arguing with his old man that Baxter was better than Morton, I will quite simply state that Brian Loudrop would walk into any all-time Rangers 11. Quite simply for me, Brian Loudrop, hero you cometh at last. David, given how difficult we are to please, this Especially him. Especially Especially the wee man. It's, this is three months, four months, and he's 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 got this this place um in in our affections. Again, the results. We'll, we'll come on to to the actual specifics in a minute. So let, let's not get there too quickly. Um, but we these two seasons, ninety three to ninety five. These these two, um, they are generally described as flat, complacent. Um, you know, we don't have to do anything because everything around us is garbage. Um, we can't string wins together. Easy to forget then how much excitement this guy started to give around this time. That you would see God the living on the back of Rangers tops, not just kids. And from young and old, there was something something new, something different. I'll come again to the specifics in a minute. Um, but I think we forget just how important that was because everything around us was pretty much grey. Yeah, that, that's a great description. Um, uh, I 
I remember it, it feeling that way. And I and I, I go back and say that, you know, the two years of not being in the Champions League, right, Levski-Sophia, the season just seemed to stretch out of us in this drab, grey, overcast way. And then when we fail again, then what have we got to look forward to? The same again. And he, though, was the... the <sighs> I was going to say he was a bright spark, but that's not fair. He was the the fire in the corner, you know. He was the, he was the illuminating light, um, and you're right about you know the God of Living. The other thing was remember the we're not worthy. That became a thing as well at Ibrox. And look, Rangers fans had seen exceptional players over that last decade. Let's not you know let's not kid ourselves. We saw guys. And skillful ones, you know, guys like Mark Walters who'd been superb, guys like Trevor Stephen, um, you know, with David Cooper has, has been about in that period and playing some of the best football of his career mm-hmm. in that in that ten year spell. But you just knew you just well, it was like, Whoa, this is something <laughs> yeah. this is something special. Firstly, when we when we thought of wingers in Scotland at that point, we thought of tiny wee guys, didn't we? Mercurial, um mm-hmm. little blokes that were you know, great, you know, pacey, but we're able to put a cross in. Here's this boy who's six foot two, right? And oh, right. 13 stone and built yeah. like a, a tank. Um, and the skill level was just outrageous. And also the consistency within a game. Again, we'd all grown up with this, this rule almost that we all accepted, which is of, you know, wingers. Yeah, they come out in and out of a game. They're inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the moments. Loudrop went by his man more often than he didn't. And he, he, he usually got... It's that Serie A thing, Martin. We talk about it at the time. Over there, he couldn't just lose the ball. He had to get a throw-in or a free kick minimum. Um, and he brought that discipline with him to Scotland. Uh, he was outrageously fast. But he, he was just entertaining. In, a, in an era of Scottish football in which it's all about athleticism. There are fewer and fewer ball players in Scotland at this point. There's a lot of long ball. There's not a lot of playing out from the back, it's fair yeah. to say. Um, and suddenly this guy played with the kind of joy that you had as a wee boy watching football. Um, and I don't think it, therefore, it's surprising, as you say, we'll come to the specifics. I don't think it's surprising that so many adults had an almost childlike reverence for him because he was a throwback to something that perhaps only existed in our imaginations. Yeah. Um, and folklore he was, and, and, and tales that your yeah, old man and granddad would be talking in the pub. Just give me a bit of, of, of uh, the, the, the the facts and the details. Rangers played Hearts at Ibrox on the 11th of September. This is the first game after that week from hell. Um, four points behind the early leader Celtic. 11 games later, Rangers were six points ahead of Celtic, two ahead of that season's main challengers, Motherwell, at the top of the league. In every one of those games, win, lose or draw, Brian Loudrop with a hand in at least one of the goals. It was an assist for Haitley in that game against Hearts, two assists in the 2-2 drop at Pitodre, a corner for Bowley, a header at Easter Road, a pass leader in the path of David Robertson, and a 2-0 home win over Kelly. Pressure on the Motherwell defence that led to John Phillip and OG in a 2-1 defeat at Fir Park, then a cross which led to a penalty at Tynecastle, which Haitley converted in a 1-1 draw. There were only four goals scored by Loudrop in this period, but the very nature of them, in addition to the constant endeavour that you talk about, David, and creativity, I think ensured this absolute devotion. The first Loudrop League goal, remember he scored against Falkirk at Ibrox in that 
Cup game. But his first league goal was uh, against Falkirk. A crumbling Brockville. I was there that day. Bowley had scored first. Just right. force of will, mm-hmm. just powered the ball home. And then what you got was actually a rare loud goal, which was a, a direct free, free kick. kick yeah. And I think he, the keeper get, gets caught out because it's... It looks right like it's a deflection. It's not. No, but um, I was I at the game too and I thought it was deflected. But for years afterwards, I thought it was deflected. It's right in the middle mm-hmm. as well. It's such a weird one. I want to talk about the second, which is against Dundee United. Um Rangers are one up. Uh, Mark Keatley scores in the first half, but it is a very open game and it's wearing on. Rangers are riding our luck. Jaron Nixon hits the bar and then Craig Brewster given yet another gift. This time the ribbon is tied by the captain. Um, but unlike Ham- at Hamden, he, he, he transpires to, to lift the ball over the bar. So he could he have done that at Hamden, could he? No, I, I, I don't think, to be fair. This was slightly <laughs> difficult. The keeper was in place for, for a start, which is obviously makes it a, a wee bit more difficult. Three minutes remaining. Neil Murray intercepts, breaks down another United attack and feeds Loudrop on the halfway line. And a wee bit like he's run on the opening day of the season, he just drives at the half. <laughs> he glides past the tackle from Petrich before lashing the ball high into the net from the edge of the box. It was a stunning goal, but it, it didn't really hit me until doing the work that it was one that we hadn't seen for a long time. We hadn't been used to seeing goals like that. Don't be the soonest revolution. Oh, the Alberts, maybe. Yeah, yeah. After from, that, yeah. From the soonest revolution onwards, you've got loads of thunder bastards where, you know, balls are yeah, rattled yeah. from range. You get loads of good team goals. You have tons of penalty box opportunism and aerial threat. But not since Cooper, I don't think, have Rangers fans witnessed someone yeah, taking yeah. the ball from deep and not immediately <laughs> seeking an, a player, whether five yards or 50 yards away, and trying to get the ball to them as quickly as possible. Just taking ownership, taking responsibility. Um, and there's a there's just it's evidence of magic, this 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 run and jinking and moving and gliding and just and running the finish. The whole, you've got the whole length of a, <laughs> um, a, a half length of the pitch and the finish. Yeah, and that's where heroes come from. It hadn't dawned on me, Alan, that, that we hadn't been used to seeing this. Mm, this individualism. No. We we just even Walters, we, we love we've talked about Walters on this show, but he was a winger. He had chalk in his boots. He and he, he could play up front, but he, he would be you know, running onto through balls. Walters was great at that and be very, very cool in front of goal. But this was someone taking that onus from so deep and just beating us at the game. And for, for, for yeah, this, when, when you were loaded up, got it, it seemed it didn't, it didn't matter. Um, that, that goal was, I think was really, really pivotal. And I didn't really, it didn't register really just, just why, because yeah, this was different. Now. Yeah, I think, I mean, the other, yeah, the other one about it too, Martin, about Brian Loudrop is, you know, they talk about showboating and sometimes it's a case of mm. taking the piss. You know, people, sh- you know, they'll turn exactly. back, they'll turn back, they'll twist. But he just did it natural and it wasn't out of any kind of real arrogance or whatever. The amount, Even if you look at the goals during this season, see the amount of crosses he goes down left-hand side, he fakes to go right, goes left again, dinks it over, hately, boof, he'll go down the right-hand side. He was doing things that people would say, geez, oh, that's like showing off. But he just did it as a, ma- a matter of course. And it was a bit like, you know, at times when you saw a really young Messi going down mm-hmm. to two or three of them, or as you say, David Cooper, but Brian Loudrop, he just, and he did, he had that. It was like, 
like David said, rather than us going shit, all we've really kind of got is the league. But it was the fun, the talk about as well, uh, the likes when a winger gets it, everyone gets up off the seat. But when Loudrop got it, it was just amazing. The strength too, you know, you, you weren't going to push him off either. But no, I just, I, I think even later after he had left us and he came back and there was some charity game or whatever, I remember even seeing him uh, for Hill again. And I think he put over a cross and you're thinking, oh my God, this is like years later. But the guy was so far ahead of anything in Scotland at that point in time, one of the best in Britain. And no, nah, he was just just fantastic player. David, that goal. Am I right here? Or am I missing? Am I missing a goal that we've talked about on this show? That, that's that's uh, like that. I can only think of yeah. Tim Perry and 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 Cooper doing doing all that stuff just to, to pass for flight. Or one he scored at Tynecastle uh, not long after that. But other than Cooper, I I just don't think there was a Rangers player in this kind of era. And certainly not before it. Um, that that just had um, that total ownership. Walters could could beat a man, um, mm-hmm. and and could dribble, but his goals tended to be more strikes round, you know, the edge of the box at the end yeah. of a move because he was very good at ghosting in. Um, mm-hmm. Just a different type of player. No, I think you're going back to there's a couple of Cooper goals against Hearts um, in '86, '87 yeah. that I remember one at Tynecastle yeah. and one at Ibrox that are. Are very similar, but with all due respect, the finishes aren't as good. Uh, there, there's a good bit of Henry Smith in, um, yes, in both uh, of those goals. Um, the- I I think what it was is here's this guy who's arrived from the toughest league in the world, right, and possibly the best defensive league that ever was. That that era of Serie A, and I always go back to some. Do you remember when Negri arrived and he had that remarkable? Mm. scoring run against the United and all that yeah yeah, yeah but I think it was something like um, what was it 23 and 10 he oh, scored and he was asked and so, you know, are you amazed by this and he said well no not really he goes because when I was playing last season for Perugia I'd get maybe four chances a month and I had to score two of them <laughs> so he said over in here I get six a game Standard, so it, yeah. it's, uh, he said so it's just it, I'm, I'm, I'm the same yeah, I'm the same strike rate as I was in Italy. It's just a much more open game of football. So I think Loudrop arrives with this tactical discipline, which was way ahead of anybody oh, else in yes. Scotland. And he gets the thing that Ronald De Boer would later get, and Gaza to a degree gets, which is, ah, they're not all, nobody here is as good as me. Mm. So I will have to adapt yeah. my game slightly. Yes. Yeah. And one of the other sides of that, Martin, is that, Right, I know the right pass here, but he doesn't know where he should be to get it. So he might not be there. And therefore, I'm going to go myself. And then the discovery of, well, actually, I am good enough to to go myself. And I'm good enough to go myself quite regularly. And be it directly towards goal or out to the wing or whatever. Um, And just this growing realisation, I think, that he had and everyone around them, which unfortunately has a negative consequence in a way for Rangers and that the rest of them twigging how good he is just play entirely at him. And I mean at him, not to him. Uh, yes, um, yeah. Everything must go to, as you say, give it to Brian and then at least Walter gets gets him a hand, you know, gets some uh, yeah. gas going and then it's uh, Brian and uh, Paul. But this season, he is... He was just so dramatically different from a Scottish game that was so lacking in colour. And and you only have to go back. I know it's dreadful to say everything was better when, but this is my era, and I'm going slightly further back. You had this this 
It's David Cooper with pace. It's actually David uh, Cooper with bluster and pace as uh, well. You know, even I mean? even say eighty five, eighty six in Scotland, you had an Aberdeen team that had players like Eric Black and Gordon Strachan and Peter Weir, and you had a Hearts team that had John Cahoon and John Robertson and Sandy Clark, and you had a Dundee United team that had Sturrock and Bannon, and you had, um, you know, the, the Celtic team had players like McLaren and Johnson. You had good players all over the place playing good football. This period, 10 years later, yeah. do we have that? You've got a lot of big guys and you've got a lot of Scandinavians that could run all day and you don't have a lot of colour in the Scottish game at this particular now you're about to get a bust at Rangers and to be fair Celtic both provide over the next few seasons and that's Mm -hmm. great but it starts with Loudrup coming and just reminding us that football didn't have to be this relentless grind that Scottish football had found itself locked in where a lot of teams were basically set up like 11 cannons and just trying to de- deflect the ball towards the opposition net through, you know, like a wall of muscle. And here was this guy who was just interested in, give me the ball, right? And I will go and I will do something with it. As I say, mm-hmm. I might it might be a free kick that I win. It might be a throw in, but I won't give the ball away. And I'm not going to waste it. There will be something comes of this, whether it's a pass or a cross or a shot or an opportunity. And as he began to realise that one, Rangers were quite prepared to give him the freedom that he didn't have in Italy, and he's not the first footballer from that era in Italy that said that the they found it stifling after a while, the type of football that they played. Um, he begins to think, this is great. And to, to go back to the point Alan made earlier, what you then have is a man who, throughout his first three seasons at Rangers, is loving playing the game of football because in Italy, it's a job. They tell you it's seen as a job. They don't do in Italy, especially in that era, the whole bullshit about, you know, oh, this is your childhood dream. It's, It's a job. You're supposed to win, right? And to win, you do what you're told by the coach. And over here, he had the adoration of fans for just doing what he wanted to do. And and I think that's shown through. And I always suggest Gaza had this as well. Um, a, a a player who loves what they're doing. There's a vibe that you pick up in the stands. I think, uh, and he begins to demonstrate that almost immediately. Something that fans can relate to. Childhood, childlike. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply freedom give me the ball give me mm-hmm. the ball and i'll beat the whole team and rattle it in the top corner it's the stuff of our dreams it's not prosaic the way that you know kind of more systemic build-up would be in the big cross into the box and oh there's ali feeding off scraps again that's wonderful um that there is this this guy's loving our dream this is i go back to the comic because it, it, it does that that goal against united all all it needs david is one fan in the govern talking to one fan in the main stand um with, with speech bubbles and they know exactly what what each other's saying <laughs> remarking just how, how <laughs> fantastic a goal that is it's is straight out of that comic book um if anyone 
still retained a hint of the melting scepticism about the younger Loudrop brother, uh, then his thirdly goal would be the end of all that. Little touch from Hitler. It's picked up by Boyd. It's caught by Charlie Miller. Through now for Hitler! Oh, that is a magnificent goal by Mark Hitler! 25 minutes gone! Terrific play by young Charlie Miller, winning the ball, sliding it through to Hayley, and what a tremendous finish. And Celtic respond, here comes McStay, he's blocked by McLaren, still McStay battling away, breaks to O'Donnell, this is Byrne, flipping in the ball, but an easy one in the end for Andy Gorham. This is Boyd for Celtic. Collins. So they're hoping maybe they can get themselves a free kick just outside the box and put uh, Collins in on it. But here's Boy coming forward. Oh, and that's a tremendous ball! Free kick to Rangers, quickly taken. Played shot by McCall to Loudrop. Good ball through again for Robertson. It's Hitley! Oh, tremendous play by Rangers! What a stunning ball through by Loudrop to Robertson. The cross from Robertson and Mark Hitley gets his second goal of the match. To the Celtic one, Rangers two. And here's a break on for Loudrop, showing tremendous pace. He's past the goalkeeper. A sensational goal by Loudrop. Okay, a, a wee bit of build up to the second Old Firm game of the season. Um, both clubs busy. Celtic had got um, Phil O'Donnell from from Motherwell the previous month. Were forced to pay Kilmarnock a hundred grand because of tapping up Tommy Burns, the most archaic institution, the most archaic law. I, I, I tapping up cracks me up. But you, you're you're offering another adult a job. Um, there's really nothing yeah. more to it than that. Um, Lou McCary was taking them to court. Um, the cup was providing some excitement. Um, the the Wednesday before the the Old Firm game, Celtic had beaten Aberdeen in the League Cup semi final at Ibrox uh, after extra time, I think. Um, and you know Tommy Burns very excited. Um, the league form should have been more of a worry. He had only two wins in seven following that victory at Ibrox, none in the previous four league games, including two defeats immediately before it um, on the spin to Hearts and Falkirk. Um, nevertheless, that. That, that, that semi-final win. Probably what they believe to be the final, beating Aberdeen because they're going to face, uh, face Wraith Rovers in the final. Um, Tommy Burns was kind of fumbling open champagne at the launch of a, a new Celtic shop the following day. Um, so we could play Rangers right now. Um, reaching a final after so long has given the club a fantastic boost. The players are so up for it after having beaten Aberdeen that they could play any time now, and not for the last time, evidence of a very over-emotional manager. Uh, Walter, on the other hand, well, he finally got his man uh, on the Tuesday before the game. It looked like it was off the Al McLaren deal. The agent for both Neil Murray and Dave McPherson wanted too much for those players. Hearts said, nah, it's, it's over, but it got sorted out. just be McPherson going east and, well, as I said, 1.6 million coming the other way. Um, the direction of the Rangers bus that day was more south than it was east traditionally um, because the match was played at Hamden. Um, Celtic had an agreement with SFA to swap for the season with Queen's Park um, as they 
had their much needed renovation um, work started. A lot of righteous anger, David, not just from Rangers. In fact, a lot more from other clubs who had had to forego some transfers, some investment in the team, because they needed to get their stadium up to scratch for the Taylor Report recommendations. Celtic were half arsed with it. They, they seated the jungle, uh, but that, that was pretty much it. Um, and they felt aggrieved that Celtic could basically sit and twiddle their thumbs until it was clearly too late. There was no way they were going to do it. Um, and then just get the use of Hamden. Uh, interestingly, Michael Kelly had a book out just around this time where he seemed to indicate that um, there was a kind of gentleman's agreement done in principle from 1990 with the SFA that, that should Celtic need it, they, they, they would get this no problem. Um, Jim Farry's response was, look, it gives the SFA some revenue every week that, that Queen's Park weren't providing, um, which means we can do other things um, a lot quicker. So, you know, it works for, for, the, for the, the greater game. Um, can you remember being too perturbed by it? There's, there's some, as you would imagine, a lot of angry reaction in the fanzines and, and the usual um, sources around this time that um, it, it's just not fair. I mean, Rangers had used Hamden... What, for old firm games? Well, I, I, what was yeah, being done? Yeah. Some cup games, maybe bigger games, really, but we didn't use it as our home. You know, we, we had to do it mm-hmm. staggeredly. But it's more about the other teams in the league. Who I, I can't get over enough, David, and, and, and I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me. The mid-90s in Scotland and in England, the landscape of games is a construction site. There's something going on somewhere Basically. as as, yeah. as all these grounds are either huge work or just tarted up because even Ibrox is going to get the corners filled in soon. Um so there's 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 scaffolding up and 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 uh, and you know big signs up fans up. parked yeah, <laughs> you know and, um yeah. but was this offside? Yeah it was offside. It completely was offside because uh every other club in the UK incidentally um had to go and as you say just make do for a year or two sometimes longer, while the stadium got built. And as you say, it became, when you watch Match of the Day, one side of a ground on every match would be concrete a building steps. site. Yeah, After yeah. Con- concrete steps, workmen, hard hats, all of that. The workmen always manage to find themselves in yeah. during game. Oh, what was that? That's right, yeah. Yeah, with a hard hat on, but not doing any work. But, um, yeah, so it, 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 it was... Not uncommon in the slightest that this was sort of the rules. You had to get your stadium up to scratch. And while that went on, you had a reduced capacity. And Celtic then get a free pass after not doing any of the work that the other clubs had had to do. And they were pissed. And I think that it... I was going to say there was a sense that it was unfair. There's no sense about it. It was unfair. Now, the justification from Hamden is financially absolutely correct. See, from a business point of view, then the SFA are right. They're like, well, hang on a minute here. We're going to make a lot of money um, rather than, you know, we're not turning this down on the grounds of fairness. But it's the difference between the SFA would quite often use fairness or unfairness. Mm-hmm. Jim Farry would use as a justification. When it, when it suited them. When it yeah. suited them. You can't be totally 
uh, or you have to be rather we do the best for business or we are the upstanding moral guardians of yeah. Scottish football and he played that latter card yeah. so often that this time even though technically he's right it was the best yeah. deal for the SFA but if I'm you know oh, Hibs yeah. Hips or Hearts in particular I'm Aberdeen. pissed because as you say Martin Aberdeen that these are clubs that have They've you know, certainly in this Hamden, period. By the way, they've also but, paid for Hamden go. the new look Hamden over this. So it's not that they've just paid a lot of money and had to save and, and, and plan accordingly to, to build a new stand. Now, the other, which Celtic may, may argue, if you look at Motherwell, for example, that would charge Rangers and Celtic fans a lot more to, to come to Motherwell than, than other fans so they could build those two stands behind the goal. David Cooper um, stand. Yeah, and all that, right? um, that, well... You know, we're paying a premium when we visit, um, in numbers that no other club does to pay for your your ground. So there's circular arguments all over the place. But a lot of the clubs say, well, we've had to build a new stadium, and we helped build Hamden. We we helped pay for for this as well because all clubs obviously have to contribute. Um, it just it left a bit of a fishy taste. It's more Alan again just sitting about and saying, all oh, right, well, we, we, it's impossible now. We need we need an emergency. Um, fixed for a year yeah. you know Canvas Lang isn't going to materialise um, and it's not changed Martin if you think of it even nowadays you know, there's decisions where most of the teams it just becomes a well tough that's what's happening and I, I think everyone knew people were complaining about it but I think unfortunately even at that time there was an acceptance that what can we actually do you know and Celtic would get their way and as I say I think unfortunately throughout time that just seems to have been you know, repeated yeah. again, but but I remain going Tanadice as well. Remember, it was getting done mm-hmm. as you see for Park round about that time. Most of the grounds we were going to, there was always bits getting developed, and again, they didn't have the budget. I mean, Celtic, it's a bit of a joke when you think of the the revenue that they were getting in, but some of these smaller clubs as well, they were really struggling to to actually put the capital investment in. Yeah. You know, I'm a bit younger, obviously. But I I do remember not caring. <laughs> so we're playing Celtic at Hamden. Okay, Aye. That, that works. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we've got a pretty decent record there. Um, and as it would be on that day, the, the, the full coverage is out there, by the way, the full STV, because this is another angle again. I'm going to maybe talk about this next week. STV have got a lot of live games on a Sunday. One a month, the, yeah. the contract had gone yeah. up, yeah. Um, and they, they speak to Smith and Burns together, side by side, and Tommy Burns says, you know, this is the be-all and end-all. Uh, and Jim Dillon said, yeah, "Well, it was for him. Is, is that the case for you?" Oh, yeah. And Smith, you know, kind of agreed, but he's a lot calmer, and he he suggests it's more the case for those following, those watching, um, external, and, and not kind of integral I, to, to the to the. I the think, drama. yeah, Martin. I think what pissed me off as well is I, th- I think the last time I had missed an old firm game, I'd broken my leg in 1985. I couldn't get to this one. I think we had some like four thousand tickets. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty you know, because of it, wasn't it? You know, yeah. yeah. Imagine four thousand tickets for for Celtic away. That would be that would be wonderful. Um, I suppose so. Right enough, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's Smith is kind of saying, you know, you know, it's it's the beyond end of for the fans. You know, we have to remain kind of cool within this maelstrom. Um, oh. And uh, and Burns presents Loudrop with a Player of the Month award for October. Um, Jeez, imagine that nowadays, yeah. Know, we were example. so, so <laughs> fucking biscuit tin. Yeah, I don't it? mean biscuit tin as in saving, I mean as in twee. And, I know, oh I know. my 
God, and that's he said, so You know, he's gracious as well. You know, well done, young man. And, and Loudrop, he looks so young there. Um, so I'm very much mm-hmm. looking forward to this game. And it, it's not trying to hide nerves. He genuinely is looking forward yeah, to this game. Forward to, um, yeah. My my mum said a great thing about Loudrop, and it would be round about this game. I'm not saying that it was, but it could have been given it was live on the telly. She said, I'm convinced he has a, a, an assistant that he pays to just spray him with water before he goes on camera, because he always looked really <laughs> glam and cool with the slick yeah, back hair. Yeah. Glistening, that's the word, glistening. Yeah. Um, probably. Maybe a, a game at Tannadice that we'll, we'll cover next week, but probably the best performance of the season. Um, kind of out of nowhere, really. Um, this was... It all Martin. came together, Martin, Martin didn't yeah. it? Bond said afterwards yeah. that he felt his side control and in quotes controlled the first half. This was a forty-five minutes where Rangers scored twice, had one chance cleared off the line with Neil Murray. Should have had a penalty. No Mark Kelly, uh, Kelly awarded a penalty. Um, Celtic did score a brilliant goal actually by Paul Byrne. Um, but this, I think, was again maybe for one of the few times that season, balance in action. For all the excuse making that we hear then and now about needing time to gel. Fraser Bishop dragged in. And Basil Bowley. Um, <laughs> Alan McLaren um, and David Robertson had hardly Robertson. met one another and yet <laughs> were superb. This was one of the, the greatest Rangers debuts I can remember from Alan McLaren. Um, he looked like he'd been playing for Rangers for years. Um, him and Bowley had managed to find a relationship instantly in a way that Goff and Bowley never could. Um, he was organising things, Martin. He couldn't yeah, believe it. Was. He was actually, it was like bloody John Gregg. And I, was, even yeah. after that game, I thought he's going to be a future Rangers captain. Absolutely. Gorham's back and alert when he needed to be and in the second half he did. Um, you've got McCall and Murray, quite tenacious in the midfield. Smith went for width both sides because Loudrup and Hustra play and Charlie Miller's just playing um, behind Haitley. And if it wasn't for the, the mania that was developing around Loudrup, then it would have been developing around Charlie Miller, of whom Mark Haitley still speaks and spoke then very highly. He felt this yeah, boy yeah. had something really special in a way that some of the other youngsters that were coming through maybe didn't. Um, of course, they, they combined for the first goal, Miller, Robin, um, Tom Boyd, putting that ball through to Haitley, who just doesn't piss about. It's Boom. there, it's bang, it's 1-0. Mm. And then Loud drops ball to Robertson. You remember mentioned Robertson in, in pre-season not been that impressed. Um, I don't think this guy's all he's made out to be. Well, actually, we're just not as good as him. David, you mentioned before, the same wavelength and, and Robertson finally... Celtic were sleeping. Wavelength. It was like us at Parkhead. Celtic were dreaming, weren't yeah. they? And we just took it so quickly and caught them and there you go. Yeah, yeah there's a super goal by Kately again. But of course, it's the third. Um, pretty rudimentary. I mean, Fraser Worship, like lump up the park. Kately wins a header. But once you saw on the telly... <laughs> that space yeah. open up and it's just I, I'd really prefer if there wasn't that kind of deflection or whatever because it, it kind of ruins the, the, the beauty sweeping movement but Davey, we're falling in love with this guy, he's now involved every week we we know the rules here for Rangers Heroes and it's why you know Golden Jury is, is underrated for many reasons but this this one being primarily the, 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 the greatest, you've got to score against them it's got to matter mm-hmm. And the crown is on his head now. Yeah, it's you do it 
in these games and that's how the, the quick way to Rangers fans help. Albert's picked up this excellent habit, yes. so did Gascoigne, um, of doing it in these matches when it really matters. Uh, I, I love this game. We we actually have in the archives, folks, and uh, mm. at the time of recording, if you're not listening to it uh, in the future, then it's an international week. So as Martin says, the full game's on YouTube. Pop it up and stick on the the watch along we did of this game it's brilliant the defense as you say this because going into the game you're looking at it and it feels very odds and sods doesn't it it's like mismatch mm-hmm. socks in there um but we're, we're a wee bit worried really about that and then you know neil murray and charlie miller are playing and you think well it's a big big old game for these lads um but everything comes together this day rangers are playing and it, it as well as Loudrop, this is Hately, the hammer of the Tims, Hately. Um, they were terrified of Mark Hately. Was that, sorry? I was going to say his last hurrah. I mean, obviously, there's a wee cameo. That we'll, we'll yeah, the cameo, but, but this, this, this is the, although he's been doing it for years at this point, this is the one I always think of because he just walks onto that field, away from home. Okay, it's not Parkhead, but still, away from home in an old firm game with a chest up, this is my field, battles their defence, gets the two goals. But then the third one was just absolutely perfect, as you say. Howling day, you know, a Hamden that looks weird and depleted. Um, and Celtic, full of energy, full of effort, playing exactly in the style of the manager, which is <laughs> everybody run... Anytime you see the ball, everybody run in that direction. Look busy. Just look busy. Yeah, oh, yeah. just 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 because it's Rangers and we've got to beat them, and um, and then and and then the this mal this this very Scottish game, all of a sudden here's this beautiful racehorse of a footballer getting a big a big desert orchid of a racehorse getting <laughs> on the end of this ball taking it on at pace full pelt rounds the goalkeeper slips Oof. it away as you, as you say it's annoying that that attempt to cl- the clearance that deflects it in but still and then he's running away with we've talked about it but it's true watch it back folks the sheer undiluted joy, joy. on his face of Ah, yes, look what I just did. He was the player of the month. He'd been playing well. The fans adore him. Everyone loves him. But he knew, right? And also, it's a big goal in the game. It's that, oh, That's yeah. the game done, it, yeah. um, which helps. But it was just such a wonderful moment. And it, as you say, then, that's it. That's the final building block. That's the one that will be used against you for any doubters. I don't think there were many in the Rangers support at this point, but for anyone who was, well, that's it, gone. And I I love this performance because, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of the time we talk about these Rangers performances from this era, and a lot of them were functional. You know, they they, they weren't artisanal. Um, But this particular one is the perfect marriage, and we'll see this a lot in the next two seasons, the perfect marriage of temperament, we're not getting caught up in the, the whirlwind that Celtic want to create uh, of balance, of organisation and no little skill as well. Um, it's It's got everything. It's got, as I say, we went back and watched it. Not the most important old firm game that there ever was, although when it's early in the season uh, and you're trying to come back from a defeat uh, against them, then it is important. But it was just such a 
a splendid Rangers performance. That that's what I want in any Rangers team. That mixture of attitude, fight, hard work, organization, discipline, yeah. and skill. And we were just as you say, you know, Burns comes out at the end and you know, oh we had a couple that went near the post. Ah, you uh, did, Tam, uh, ah, you did, aye. But unfortunately Rangers were utterly ruthless and did, I, I love yeah. this performance. Did, did you see when Hately uh you know, went out for the ball and obviously Loudrop goes for it. Did you actually hear Loudrop changing gear? You know, it was just as if he actually changed gear and went, there you go again, and there you go again, and he just eased off. But you said as well, the likes of Stuart McCall as well within it, uh, I don't know if you saw that, I think there was one, uh, David Robertson went right into, would it be Burn or whatever, but there was one, a couple of those meaty challenges as well, which I just love too. And as I say, Alan McLaren, jeez, oh man, do, do you know what I mean? It's, the, the guy looked as if he had been playing for, I don't know, five or six years there. Uh, as I say, I think there was maybe four or five really great interceptions and tackles he had. But he was... McLaren, sorry, yeah. the, 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 the fan reaction and the, the, the fanzines. The, the, the next thing they could compare that debut to was Colin Steen, so that's... Aye. Yeah, that, that kind of shows you... Hat tricks. Yeah. yeah, just shows you what, what, what kind of impact he had. Um we played Partick Thistle the following Saturday, Loudrop scored and assisted, he set up Hately, and in doing so, I think, caused the left-back damage, I think he twisted him inside and oh. then back out again, and I think that's when the Wayne's World thing start, started to really take um, take root, um, he was kind of confirmed as a god. That match against Thistle, that's November the 5th, um, notable for maybe another reason besides that latest Loudrop masterclass. It was the one and the only time that season, 42 games, where Walter Smith was able to select the same starting 11 as he had the week before. Only once was Smith able to, to just say, same again, lads, same team, no changes. And that collegial inconsistency probably might explain why that, that rise to the top was maybe a wee bit more protective attracted than it could have been. The draws at Petodre and Tynecastle frustrating, um, especially from winning positions. 2-1 defeat Motherwell was well-deserved. Motherwell with a better team. This is a Motherwell under Alex McLeish. They, they kind of What's that up. game notable for? The lilac bloody yeah, the, top. The horrendous. One and only time that that was won competitively. Uh, I, I went from Wisher. Uh, didn't go in the supporters bus because it's two miles down the road, Martin. Mm. So there was 10, my brother-in-law and 10 of his mates who were Motherwell fans, God. And I went in a minibus with them. It was fine. Went into the game in the main stand because they were doing the Davy Cooper bit. And after it, we would go to the Fur Park Club, which Rangers fans went to as well. And I remember one of the bastards I was with came back with the drinks and sat all the drinks down and then gave out nine bits of lemon and said, you'll no need one, Alan, but that's to take a smile off her face. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Just well, a horrible you, day. That, that's what you get for hanging about with people. Marvel like fans. Rangers fans, I, um, but I, I've, I've made a, 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 a life of not doing that. But um, yeah, the, I, the this might, to, to again show you the different era that we were in, there was actually a bit of a storm about that kit, um, and not because of the colour and not because... Um, I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But, but basically, because there was no kit clash between Rangers and Motherwell, yeah, and in fact, this is actually nearer to a kit clash yeah, than, than an original would be, um, there was a lot in Scotland, I remember, you know, phone-ins, and not just football phone-ins, and, and television shows, and on the news there were reports about this is just ripping off the fans, bringing out a, a third strip, and Christmas is coming up, and the kids are going to want this top, and it was mm-hmm. um, you know, £30 pounds for this top, and Rangers don't need this um, particular strip. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's amazing how, you know, quickly things become, like everyone expects three well, actually, Rangers are moving to four, and a lot of English clubs have as already kits a year. Yeah. Um, but back then, the, the idea of yeah, the oh, home yeah. top was two years. But but back then it was I, which had moved from three. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were they were going towards it. But it, it is interesting that that back then, you know, Rangers were yeah. Well, here's this third kit, which everybody considers standard now. Oh, but really? back then it was like, why why do you need that? Well, the, 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 the fast was it was a third kit for Europe. It was a European. Yes. Yeah. So they had to wear it. Yeah, yeah. Didn't need look good against Sampdoria right enough. Um, so that two one defeat Motherwell one of those kind of days. Maybe one that more typified this schizophrenic Rangers team around this um, period, apart from Brian, uh, was a 2-1 defeat at Easter Road on October 8th, um, where my dad was punched. Boy. We were told um, by a family member through marriage that the family section will be fine. I'll sort you out, get tickets. He's a um, Hibs fan. Um, it was not fine, um, but that's another story. Rangers Is went ahead. Okay? Basil Bowley. What a header. What a header um, to put Rangers ahead. He looked brilliant in so many parts of this. Tackles, blocks, um, looked apart. And yeah, he was posted missing for the Hibs second goal. He gets two bookings, two reckless challenges, to be honest. Yeah, that boy. That's a wee bit with the mm-hmm. first booking. Um, very demonstrably and dramatically shows the referee's number. Um, so we're down to 10 men. This is when Walter um, indulges this... Um, career progression sure. or extension <laughs> planned by Mark Hately, who you kept talking about, I could play centre-half, you know, um, and instead of just moving McPherson over and putting Neil Murray um, to, to, to right yeah, back. Yeah, this is insane. This Hately, is so unwalter. Yeah, he puts Hately at centre-half, which also just doesn't doesn't work. Um, so you got these disjointed, win one, draw one, lose one, win one, draw one, lose one. Um I guess, you know, Loudrop's pulling as many strings as he could. Um, the rest of the field are self-harming because Rangers are going to the top of the league through this run. Um, it's still kind of far from vintage. And that's maybe why Donald Finlay could joke and charm his way out of, of serious inquiry, serious attack at that AGM in the middle of November. When asked why, instead of the Saturday, uh, Rangers chose to play Aberdeen on the Friday night um, of the weekend, the Coca-Cola League Cup final, uh, which Ibrox would host on the Sunday, Finley answered, we've got to keep the pitch in good condition to give Wraith Rovers every chance. Again, much laughter in the hall, um, and certainly much laughter later on. Uh, Celtic were pinned back in extra time, and then contrived to lose on penalties, David, to Jimmy Nichols, Wraith mm-hmm. Rovers, Paul McStay missing the penalty and all of that. Um, it was jovial because they hadn't had this <laughs> first final in what, about four years? Um, hadn't won anything in five. Um, this is just going to stretch now to six because obviously not going to win anything in the rest of 1994. 
Um, it was a good old laugh. And we're mm. laughing before it with Finley's comments. We certainly we're laughing after it. Um, and even celebrating a Bill Leckie piece, um, famously. Spare me the tears, McStay's been a loser for years. Um, but it it deflects attention. The, the Celtic are still a bit of a, a, a joke, even though, you know, Fergus McCann's in now. They're going to have their share issue. Dermot Desmond's going to underwrite that share issue, put a couple, two or three million of his own money in. Um, they're tooling up in the background, but we're quite dismissive of that. They're still a bit of a nonsense. They're drawing so many games. So they're, 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 we were 10 points ahead or whatever. Um, it, it's easy, easy street. But they're, mm. they're, their issues, the rest of the field cutting themselves up and Brian and his mm-hmm. overwhelming genius, Davey, it allows us to just be complacent. We don't have to be much better. Well, I, I think, you know, that the, there are certain shifts that this episode has, has maybe crystallised. And one of them is that that Donald Finlay thing. Firstly, uh, his willingness to play the clown. Hmm. And uh, if anybody's had dealings with Donald Finlay over the years, he's, he's a very clever man, clearly, QC, etc. But um, he does have this, this cartoonish side of his persona that he lets out at times where it's not appropriate. And Murray was quite happy to let him do that at AGMs and stuff. Whereas previously it'd been Murray who'd been on the front foot all the time. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. Not not a conversation. You know, he, he, this is what I'm doing. This is where we're going. Um, and now he's got Donald Finlay as as the gub memorably uh, described him in a, an FF one one time after an AGM. Uh, I want to hear about the future of the club. I don't want to see your Mason Boyne QC routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, I, I don't have any time really for Donald Finlay um, at all, uh, either you know as as a figure in Rangers history or as a person. And a lot of it is that. Here's a question in terms of what I said there about a shift. Two years before, do Rangers do that publicly? The Rangers come out and say, "Ah, well, could be worse, eh? Well, Look at them, okay. they're shite. Yeah. They, that would never have happened in 1990, 1991, 1992. It would just not, it would have been dismissed as, who cares? Right, they're well we below are, us. We're we away doing our own thing. We, we are allowing them, what we are doing is we've stopped looking up and we're now looking back. And there is a distance, right? There is a distance. But we are now using their calamities of which there were many you've heard a lot of them on here and there's a few still to come we were using their calamities as to distract from some of our shortcomings as as something to do with us Mm -hmm. whereas previously martin how often have you and i spoke about this you know as youngsters we didn't think that they were particularly our rifles you know Aberdeen Aberdeen or, 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 or whoever so this was new, and this is a tonal shift. And to me, it's always been very interesting that Murray wouldn't do it himself. He's not going to. He's still giving sully himself about players yeah, in Champions League. He's league he's not going to sully himself with this. I were better than Celtic. We're making a few daft jokes at an AGM. He sends out his performing clown to do that. And as I say, there's something in in 
in Donald Finlay's makeup that he, he feels he needs to do this. Um, whether it's an insecurity, a desire to be liked, I don't know. But he goes out there and he panders uh, a great deal. And that's what that AGM is, it's pandering. And I, I don't want it, though, to come across like every Rangers fan was chortling and thinking it's brilliant, because there weren't. There were people. The fanzines had it. Um, you would hear it you know, on the buses or whatever, that guys were saying, I don't give a fuck about them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about them at a Rangers AGM. And maybe there's a bit of staunchness in that. But it's because they hadn't been at all anything to do with us. And now we are suddenly saying, well, okay, I were at the Champions League for the second year in a row. I we screwed up our transfer business. But hey... Look at this. Hey, hey, we could be worse. You know, oh, and, and, and it, yeah. that's a tonal shift for me and a huge one. And it, it's a huge one in this this series. Um and sorry to talk talk books again, but I had to split these two things up into any two books or this thing into two books, sorry. And that first one, as we talked about before we, we had that that live show Q and A as it is going forward, it is outward mm-hmm. looking, it is reaching for the stars, it is revolution, it's about us uh, and looking forward. Clearly, and I think that's a perfect example of it, which is why I, I, I brought it up, is exactly that. It represents the increasingly inward looking thing, as well as the spectre of nine and ten, which is in the room. So therefore, what they do is important. What anybody else is doing is important because that is becoming the emotional focus. And I do wonder if that's natural in football anyway, that league football is a long old course, and we repeat it again the next season. You are pegged. It's like the stock exchange. You're you're pegged by those around you, your value um, and relative value. And Alan, I think AAK Athens is a, a real marker there, whether we admitted mm-hmm. it or not, we certainly mm-hmm. did not admit it because, again, Davy's right, Murray is not indulging himself in this. Murray is still giving the big chat about the future and whatever else. I don't think they believe it. No, I, th- I, I think, think we're, we're going to... It would need a new manager. Yeah, yeah we're and sleepwalking. We manager to do the biz yeah. here. But doing the biz here means, well, what are Celtic doing? And as long as they're still a, a laughing stock, well, we can just roll on. And here, we got the boy Loudrippin. But I think that there's something natural in league football about that, that it, eventually your own self-motivation runs out and it is just about staying ahead of the game. And once you start just staying ahead of the game, don't be surprised if you get caught up. It's okay if you do that. It's your bread and butter, which they all say the league's your bread and butter, but you still have to be aware of, as you see, the other dimensions too. And all that happens is we just went, well, that's okay as long as we can just get by. But the, the problem is then, by the time even you reach some kind of goal, whether it's nine or whatever, and then you maybe want to look at some of those wider things, by that time all of the others have developed and they've got directors of football and strategies. And Do, do you know what I mean? It's, but as you say, that, the first period was definitely all about kind of growth and positivity yeah. and so on. This one, as if we, heaven forbid if anything had happened to Brian this year or... The other person we added next year, do you know? Well, we would still have won the league. It just would have been... Aye, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah. that's the thing. But here is, I think, an issue that has been about my entire life and will always be about, I think, with Rangers. Rangers fans don't like competitions that we can't win. 
right? Which is mm-hmm. why you will always have fans. We heard it last year. I don't give a toss about Europe. We're no one in the league, right? And the fact that we were doing this incredible, memorable thing, people would have traded it. People would have got knocked out in Dortmund if we could have won the title. Jeez, um, yeah, yeah. And that, that will never change. And what happens is, after a while of Murray thinking that we can, and, and us thinking that we can, you know, we can go and win the Champions League. I think you're right, Martin. I think it's a subconscious thing. And the process is is not finished yet. So you're still allowed to... I still believed up until about 96 that we had a shout of doing something serious in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really after that, I thought, no, we are, we're well out of the picture now. But... Up to this point, Rangers fans are taking it seriously. I think then what happens as a club, and I mean Murray, I mean the the management, and I mean the fans, including myself, is once we realise we can't win this, right? It's it's been taken away from us. Um, once we realise that, we lose interest in it, and then it's like, well, I you know we we want to be in it, but. We did the um, really, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, it's like uh, we don't really care to be honest because <laughs> uh-huh. we we know we're not going to win it. Therefore, there's no much point competing in it. Therefore, who have we got in the league cup next week? And that I think in this period that's a massive change. That up until probably a bit now, and and you would get little spots where you think, oh, that's changed. That for me, the big one was summer '95. The transfers that came in then, Gascoigne, Mania, all that, Loudrup being there. I mm-hmm. thought, we could, you know, we, we could. Um, and yeah, I think it was probably that season where it, it totally disabused me of that notion that, that we could. But after that, I'm like, and I admit this, you know, I I don't care who, who gives a toss, right? At the end of the day, it's all about winning the league. It's all about winning 10. Um, I remember the week we got knocked out by Strasbourg, a guy saying to me, I don't care about that. In the crowd at Ibrox, he went, 10 in a row is a world record, which it oh, wasn't. But um, was that was what we did. We, we, I think mentally, as a club and a, as a support, everyone connected with it, we basically let it go and said, and this is before we think, you know, we need the money. Like Now everybody understands we've got to try and get there for financial yeah. reasons. At this point, it's just, can we win it? No, well, fuck it. Right? We'd, I'd rather enter the Glasgow Cup then. Yeah. Well, hold those thoughts because we've still got weeks and weeks of this show to go. So um, thank you, as always, for your chat about the 1990s. Thank you, Alan. No, thanks, Martin. Enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks, David. Thank you, David. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Next week, Rangers really do get their act together. Four wins in a row that end the season, really, by Hogmanay. And then there's the very familiar slump that follows. We'll talk about youth and we'll talk about the subject that I think really comes through this entertainment and the individual. Those grey skies that David mentioned, very contrasting to the entertaining and dramatic football that was being beamed to us at all times of a Sunday. Until next week, bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. 
and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.